Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, the word of the Lord. Good morning, guys. My name is Steve. If you're a guest, welcome. Um, I'm the lead pastor here. This morning, I have the privilege of introducing you to a new preacher here at Trailhead. His name is Corey. Corey is, um, he has been serving as a church planting intern here at Trailhead. Trailhead is a church planting church. It's in our DNA. I mean, we're two years old. We were planted by the journey. Um, and, and we are very actively engaged in seeing the gospel move forward through the spreading of the gospel, specifically in the area of planting churches, Take, going to communities and starting new gospel-centered churches so that people far from God can learn about the promises of God. Corey has been training and working toward, and, and we look forward to um, Lord Willing launching him as a church planter uh, in, in, over the course of the next year. And so this morning, um, say good morning to Corey. Give him a warm welcome. Good morning. Very well. Good job. Ooh, a little clapping. That's nice. 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 Um, I don't get that. I'm honored. All right. Um, <laughs> so anyway, this is Corey, and he's going to be bringing us the word this morning. Hey, good morning. I guess no need to introduce myself since he's done it. Hey, let's, um, I just want to say that it's, uh, it's an honor to be up here. It's an honor to be um, your church planning resident. It's not just something with me and Steve, but it's something that Trailhead is invested in um, as a church. And so for me, it's an honor to share in God's word with you today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, before we get this thing started. God, we just thank you so much for your word, God, for sending your son, for for sending your spirit to us, God, to, to fill us as we're going to talk about today, what that means. And God, um, just pray that you just open our hearts, God, open our minds, just give us a passion and a desire to pursue a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit today, God. We pray all this in your Son's name through the gift and power of that Spirit. Amen. So the world makes many demands of us. But as we see in this text, God commands us to be filled with the Spirit. And what I mean by that is, right, as I look across just this crowd in here, I see students and I see um, husbands, wives, parents, right? We have all these different demands. Maybe you're a student, it's that Monday, Wednesday, Friday class, Tuesday, Thursday classes, it's tests, exams, which would be the same thing. It's studying for assignments, right? It's all these things that, that impact you that you feel like this is a big demand that needs to be met. For us that are, that are maybe married or pursuing marriage, we're just talking about, we put our spouse before God in a lot of ways, the demands that they have for us. If, if you have kids and all the, especially older kids, right? You have soccer and baseball and dance and there's just different recitals and all these things that the world makes, that demands of you, right? That you put these things in your life and you're essentially using them to fill what has already been fulfilled in the gospel and filled through the Holy Spirit. And so Paul knows this and Paul is addressing his congregation and me addressing you with this understanding. And so if you look with me in verse 15, um, Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And so we've been in Ephesians for about 22 weeks now, and Paul's talked a lot about 
um, how we walked, how we walked before we were in Christ and how we walk after Christ, how we walked before our eyes were opened to the gospel and how we're called to walk after our eyes have been opened to the gospel. And so Paul, again, is spurring on his congregation, saying, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, in the last bit of verse 15. And so Paul is kind of, he's just reminding his congregation, as we learned a few weeks ago, that they've been given a spirit of wisdom that we're going to talk a little bit more about in a minute. And what that means, though, is that, that this church, as well as us, um, has been, they've been given all wisdom necessary to effectively live out the gospel in their lives, to effect, effectively walk out the gospel through the Holy Spirit. They've been given a spirit of wisdom. And so in verse 16, Paul goes on with this understanding to say, so make the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit. And so what we see is really just a beautiful display of pastoral authority coming from Paul. He's, he sees a specific sin in this church, and he's calling it out, right? Paul didn't just write Ephesians or write the majority of the New Testament, get a book deal, do some signings at Borders, and then throw in the towel. Like, he is a pastor. He's invested in his congregation, loves his congregation. He's pursuing his congregation, and in that, He's rebuking his congregation for some serious sins that that they're dealing with. And so what do we know about this church of Ephesus? Why would they be um, acting foolish is what I want to talk about. And so we know that before they were in Christ, that is before they were walking out, or when they were walking outside of the gospel, the church of Ephesus was primarily pagan. And so that means that they would worship a multitude of gods. And in doing so, one of the things that they would partake in, and it's right here in Scripture, is that they would partake in drunken orgies. And they would do this as a means of spiritual enlightenment. They felt like if they could interact in that way with one another, it would raise them to some spiritual enlightenment so that they would be on par with their gods. And so Paul knows this about his congregation, and he's calling them on it. He's saying, stop being foolish, right? We just read that in verse 17. And we just learned a few weeks ago when we were in Ephesians, obviously, um, Steve was telling us that, um, that foolish was it's a seven-letter word you used to throw around in the early church. It'd be like me dropping a four-letter bomb on you guys from up here. You'd be like, hold the phone. Like, what are you talking about, right? It's going to grab their attention a bit. But we know that if, if people were called foolish, it was because they, they knew that there was a God, or they recognized that there was a God, but they lived contrary to how the gospel had called them to live. And so Paul, again, addressing his church as their pastor, recognizing their struggles, is telling them, stop being foolish. You're trying to fill your life with things that, that are unnecessary, that are only going to bring temporal satisfaction when you've been given eternal glory in the gospel through the Holy Spirit. And so I want to just take a minute to, to kind of look at this with an illustration of how many of you go to QT and use the fountain soda there. Maybe you're craving a fountain mountain, right? You know, just a few honest people in here today. That's okay. That's no big deal. Um, maybe if you're like me, like I have to get my fountain mountain before I go on a, any, a drive anywhere. And I like to, I like to fill it, like, but try to fill it like all the way to the top. Does anyone else do this? And then like pull it away to see like if you can kind of top it off, so to speak, you know, and you're like, you do it. And you're like, nailed it. But then sometimes you, <laughs> sometimes you, you don't account for something. And what's that? Maybe the Anybody with me? The carbonation. And so what happens is like carbonation begins to build in the bottom of the cup. It starts to come up through the top of the cup, and then it overflows, right? And you're like, no. And then it's all over the fountain machine, and like you're going to get your straw, but it's mixing with a slurpy straw, and you're like, you know, just making a mess of everything. 
And so essentially, that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, church, like, you need to account for the carbonation. Like, you are already filled to the brim. Yet you're trying to fill your life with more and more things outside of the gospel and outside of, of Christ. And so I want to talk just a bit about this being filled. And, and quite literally, it means to be being filled. You guys with me? So be filled, is, it's progressive, it's continuous, it's ongoing, it's be being filled. It's something that we have to continue pursuing. Like we are filled completely with the Holy Spirit. But God, but, but God calls us and commands us to continue pursuing that spirit. And it's not out of legalism, it's out of obedience. So legalism is working for God's acceptance. Obedience is working from God's acceptance. And as we are being obedient, our faith will actually increase. The, the, the reality of who God is in our life will actually increase. And so, so what Paul, to put it simply, is saying is, what you are should correspond to who you are. And who you are is spirit filled. So be that, is what he's telling us. So who is this Holy Spirit that fills us? Um, You guys probably come to the Holy Spirit like I've come to football. And so if you could throw that slide up for the logos. Um, Some of you have probably seen the Holy Spirit in in the, in the form of a logo in the sanctuary, perhaps. Like, maybe you saw the ball of fire in the sanctuary, or like the dove, <laughs> or the dove that had been lit into a ball of fire, <laughs> chucked at the, at the cross for whatever reason, right? And so that's kind of how I come to football, right? I've seen the, the logos, but I know nothing about the Ravens, Ravens, or the 49ers, okay? So I, like, I had to, like, see what I'm saying? Like, point proven, right? And so, I had to Google this. They thought I was joking last service like 16 times. I asked like 100 people who's playing the Super Bowl because I didn't want to get it wrong. I know nothing about it. I just know these logos, right? Watching football for me is like watching a Japanese martial arts film. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm not going to dare read the subtitles. I just know people are getting owned and like the man in me ignites whenever I watch it. And so like I watch football. I have no clue what's going on. So people are getting hurt and it's awesome and, and I love it. And so... But in the light of that, some of you, like, you've seen, like, this image of the Holy Spirit. You've interacted a little bit, maybe, with the Holy Spirit. Um, but I kind of want to bring you on my team. And so what I want to do is kind of take an aerial view of who the Holy Spirit is, um, just in the book of Ephesians. And there's tons of stuff that we could talk about. But um, we're going to look at about at six different points. So if you guys could throw that up. Um, apologize for putting these three up. So I'll give you a second just to read those three, and then we're going to focus on the first one. Okay, so we see in Ephesians uh, 1.13, we're going to start there, that the Holy Spirit seals us and assures us of our salvation. And what that means is that from the moment we are what's called justified, or we experience what's called justification, from the moment Jesus steps into our place, our mess, our sin, and drops the gavel and says, you're not guilty, right? I'm going to take your sin and throw it on the cross, and because of who I am, God is going to deem you perfect, pure, holy, right? All these great biblical words, from the moment we are justified, from the moment we are deemed not guilty, the Holy Spirit seals us and assures us. We are baptized in the Holy Spirit is what scripture says. That means the fullness of everything the Holy Spirit has to offer comes into us. And in that, he makes God known to us. And so anytime that you've been in prayer or reading scripture, or just maybe you've been like in a conversation at small group or 
conversation at Starbucks or whatever, and a new characteristic or attribute, something about God is, is revealed to you. It's not because you're really good at praying or reading the Bible or having a one-on-one conversation. It's solely the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, making God known and evident to you. And in that, he enlightens and draws us to the hope that is in the gospel. So the Holy Spirit is doing all of this work. He's sealing us, assuring us, making God known to us, and he's opening our eyes and our minds to the hope that comes from the gospel, which is complete restoration. Complete shalom is what the Bible would say. Complete peace and restoration. Everything will be brought back underneath the complete authority of God in perfection. And he enlightens, he draws us to that. So if you've ever experienced like suffering and, and there's just something in you, like there's hope, there's hope in the tunnel, there's hope, then that's the Holy Spirit that is drawing you to the hope that comes from the gospel. And then these next three, we're going to get three more. I'm just giving you a second to read them because I did three. If you're like me, you know you have to like read them all while the speaker's talking and then you're like, I have no idea what he's talking about. So that's how I am. So the Spirit not only um, <clears throat> is enlightening us, but he's pursuing us. The, speci- the Spirit initiates and pursues. The Spirit initiates all relationship that we have with him. And I wanted to put this on here because it's so easy to get in this work-based mentality, this work-based gospel. Like, if I could walk an aisle, if I can check a box, if I can do this or read enough or pray more or go to church or interact with people, then maybe God will show some favor on me. But it says very specifically in scripture that the Holy Spirit initiates us. He pursues you. He seeks you out. He comes after you. He takes all the work from your shoulders, all the workload off of you. And he does all the work and he stands in the corner, the Holy Spirit, and he points us to Jesus. Constantly willing, working, moving in and through our lives and standing meekly in the corner and saying, it's all about Jesus. I'm here for him. He died for you. He sent me to help you. I'm going to be a helper for you is what scripture says. And in that, in him sending the Holy Spirit, Jesus sending the Holy Spirit to us, we receive the fullness of God. And as I was going through this, just sitting in just some quiet time in, in the, just in this text, I started thinking about like, just the fullness of God dwells in me. Like the fullness of God that created the universe, that created everything you see, right? Chairs, ceiling, floor, bank vaults, <laughs> everything was created through and by God's word, through his spirit, and that dwells in us, the fullness of God. The same power that was in God that allowed Jesus to do miracles and the disciple to do, disciples to do miracles that resurrected Jesus from the dead, right? The same fullness of God that dwelt, that was pleased to dwell in Christ, dwells in us. I'm just sitting and thinking on that, like the fullness of God dwells in us. But how often do we stand and point our finger to Jesus while the Holy Spirit's doing all the work? And in that, he's emotional. The Holy Spirit is emotionally tied to us. He's joyful in our joy, and he is grieved when we don't pursue him. It upsets him a bit. It doesn't disappoint him, but it upsets him when we don't radically pursue a deeper relationship with him. And so I share all this with you because I want you just to get a glimpse of what you've been filled with, right? He's not some logo to be plastered on a sanctuary wall, right, in the ball of a flame of fire. Like he's very real. He's evident. He's personal. He's in your life daily doing everything, willing, working through you to bring glory to God. What Paul is saying is what you are should correspond to who you are, 
And you are spirit-filled people, so be obedient and follow that command. So then what does it mean to be spirit-filled? I think Wayne Grudem does a great job of explaining what it means. And so I'll just let you read through that. This is be filled with the Spirit means to be filled with the immediate presence of God to the extent that you are feeling what God himself feels, desiring, <laughs> desiring what God desires, doing what God wants, speaking by God's power, praying and ministering in God's strength, and knowing with the knowledge that God himself gives. So we are completely on point, on board, on par with who God is and how he's willing and working in our, right, in our lives, right? Grudem says that we or feeling what God feels, desiring what he desires, doing what he wants, speaking by his power, praying and ministering in his own strength, and knowing with the knowledge that God himself gives. To put it a little more simply for for take home, I think I would word it like it's the joy that comes from the moment-to-moment submission to who the Holy Spirit is in your life. It's daily recognition of how the Holy Spirit is moving in your life to bring glory to God and submitting to that moment by moment. It's the joy, the overflow of joy that comes from that. So what's filling your life? What's the, what's the overflow of your life as we're moving into this sermon? What's the carbonation of your life look like? Is it anything other than what I'm saying now? Is it anything other than the gospel? Anything other than the Holy Spirit? Or is it school and work and family and kiddos and, and all those things? What is the carbonation of your life? Right? Some of you get what I'm talking about with being filled with the Spirit. Like you read Scripture and it just comes off the page. Or, or you're praying by yourself or praying with someone and, and you, you just feel like God's words are just flowing right out of your mouth. Or you see someone in the grocery store and you just like want to run up to them and, and talk to them and like share the gospel. Like you don't even care if it's weird. You're just like, hey, check out what God's doing in my life. Like I just want to share this with you. And then some of you have, you've lost that joy that comes from daily submission to the Holy Spirit. You read scripture and it's just black and white letters on a page. You use the excuse of, I don't know where to begin. Right? It's all good. <laughs> just pick a page and start reading. Like you, you don't pray as often, right? You pray maybe before a meal, but when you pray, it's, it's, it's mundane and it's, it's the same prayers over and over again because you're, you're not daily submitting to the character and nature of who God is in your life. You see those people in the grocery store and you do an about face, right? You go the other direction because you don't have just the, the relational capacity right now to spend time investing in someone else. You've, what's great about that is that we serve a God as we just learned that is still pursuing you even as you lack pursuing him. There's grace in that for you. There's, we serve a God who's radically pursuing, radically initiating conversation with you that, that recognizes that his good news gospel message is not about how many people you can talk to in a grocery store or how many boxes you've checked to accept him or how many prayers you've prayed or scripture you've read this week or last week, but it's all about Jesus doing all the work for us in our place, stepping into our mess, our sin, and God the Father deeming us worthy and accepted. And, and I think all of this leads us into Christian community, right? When we think about what does it mean to pursue the Holy Spirit, I feel like everything we're talking about is leading us, pointing us to you. It's not something to be done on our own. 
It's not something we should have to come as individuals to do. And that's why we have fight group, you know, that's why we have fight clubs, and that's why we have small groups, and that's why we encourage men and women to get together one-on-one to spend time together so we can have conversations and have and build relationships and spur each other on. What is God showing you? How are you, what do you need prayer for? How can I pray for you? Let me pray with you. Let me spend time with you in fellowship. Let me pursue this relationship with you. And joy is the outflow of that. And when looking, if you look with me in verses 19 through 21, I think we see that this idea that this is done not just as individuals, but in Christian community is magnified. And so let's look at that. Verses 19 says, But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. So Paul, he comes through here, and he's, he's using very specific language as he's talking as a pastor to his church, and he talks about sin, uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody, right? And so when we look at these, we know psalms are Old Testament songs that were put to music, and they, they were written to speak of the nature and the character of God, his attributes and hymns they derive from psalms and they speak specifically um, about god but god being exalted in christ in spiritual songs where quite literally people would walk around and they'd be so moved by the gospel that they would just start singing testimonies of how god was moving in and through their lives and making melodies was it is um, a phrase used for plucking a string instrument quite literally, in your heart in this context. What Paul is saying to his congregation is that you are a one-man band, so to speak. Like you, (laughs) this is the image that kept coming to my mind whenever I was reading through this. No practical application here whatsoever, just what I came across when I Googled it. But he's quite literally saying, like, you have to pursue this Christian community. You have to pursue the Holy Spirit. And in doing so, um, you will sing songs. You will give thanks, right? You will submit to one another. And so what is the, what's the natural overflow or outflow of joy in someone's life? What do you do whenever you're experiencing joy or when you're happy? People, what they hum, right? People whistle, okay? You guys with me, am I the only one I get excited? I sing a little bit, right? Maybe from the shower to the bedroom, you know what I'm saying? Just in my morning routine, um, like we just had a baby in December, right? You better believe, what was I doing? Right? I'm singing in the hotel room. When I asked Andrea to be my fiance, you know, I assumed she would say yes, but she did, and then I'm singing about it, right? There's joy that comes, and the overflow of my joy is, that, is, is song and melody, and it's not pretty. You know, in my head, it's like Aretha Franklin, but, you know, in reality, it's just like bleh, coming out all over the place. But Paul is saying, like, the overflow of us will be Sing. We will be a people that sings, right? Who's been in their car, right? You, maybe you're, maybe you're praying, or you're, maybe there's a worship song that comes on. If you're a believer in Christ, and, and you kind of get ignited, right? You're, and you start singing, and like God starts revealing Himself a bit to you, right? You're being filled with the Spirit, and then you have that moment where you wonder if people are looking at you or not, you know? And you're like, I don't even care, right? Come get in the car with me. Like, I just want to sing with you. I just want, it's going to be weird and awkward, but just, I don't know you. Just get in the car, and we're going to make melodies in our hearts with each other. You guys can try that for your next pickup line when you're out. 
I just want to make some melodies in my heart. Um, right? We will be a church that sings when we are pursuing being filled with the Spirit. We'll be a church that gives thanks. Um, we will have a deep sense of gospel gratitude. Um, not because of anything that, that we do, but because of everything that Christ did for us, living the perfect life, living the life we're called to live and, and dying the death that we deserve to die, him stepping into our mess, we will have a deep sense of gospel gratitude as we are pursuing this Holy Spirit. And in having that deep sense of gospel gratitude, of giving things, it will lead us to pursue being filled with the Spirit, but it will also help keep us filled with the Spirit. And we'll no longer approach Scripture, right, with which is black and white letters on a page, but we'll see it as God's Word, as a, a revelation of who He is in our lives. We'll approach prayer, and we'll, we'll understand, like, I'm broken, I'm sinful, yet God is so big and so yet so humble that He allows me to communicate with Him on a regular basis because of who Jesus is. And the Holy Spirit is even praying for you on your behalf in that. Like, you will be thankful for prayer. You'll be thankful for Christian community. You won't be, you know, I'm, I'm going to skip out tonight because I want to watch my DVR. You know, I got Grey's Anatomy that I need to catch. It's going to be, I can't wait to get into community with people. I'm so thankful for what God is doing in my life. I'm so thankful for what God is doing in their life. I want to pursue them, right? You will have a, just an abundance, abundant amount of joy that comes with that. And we will submit to one another. As the scripture says, Paul gives us very practical application we will submit to one another, not because, again, because of who we are, but because of who Christ is in our lives. We will sacrifice for one another because we will recognize that we have, in fact, been sacrificed for. We will submit for one another in community. We will serve one another, and we will love being served. Like, we're raised in a culture that says, like, we as Christians will use Christian lingo, like, I want to, you know, how can I serve you? But we're raised in a culture that says, how can I give you a handout? Right? We're not allowed to receive handouts. We're not allowed to be served because that's outside of our culture. But as we're pursuing and submitting to one another because of who Christ is, I think there's a deep sense of humility that comes with that. And we will want to be submitted to, not because of some hierarchical structure, but because we recognize that in allowing people to serve us or submit to us or sacrifice for us, that we're actually giving them the opportunity to pursue a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're giving them the opportunity to pursue being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we are, it's reciprocal, and then we ourselves will be ignited and filled with that Holy Spirit as well. It's not something that's done as individuals. It's something that can be done as a Christian community as well. Not because of anything we're doing, not because we're just great at making casserole for people, so I'm going to make you a casserole and serve you in that way, but because of who Christ is and what he's done in our lives. And so I started off just talking about what, you know, the, the, the world demands much of us, but God commands us to be filled with the Spirit. So as we've been talking today, I just want you to, to think about it and think through as we put questions up on the screen here in a minute. What is filling your life? What is the carbonation of your life? What is the overflow of your life? Is it something that's in gospel? Is it that's grounded in the gospel that's in Christ? Are you allowing Christ to, to be the overflow of your life, to take care of all the demands of your life, to, to help you through classes and through school and with family and with your kids and with work? Are you allowing him to, to, to oversee and watch those areas so you can approach them with a, a gospel-centered mindset? Or are you trying to do all the work yourself? 
spend a little time in prayer, and then you guys can look at these questions for some reflection. God, we thank you so much just for your word and who you are. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit and sending him to us to do all the work necessary uh, to ground us in the gospel. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for allowing us a, a spot to come and gather and share in your word. And we pray all this in Jesus' name through the gift and power of the Spirit. Amen.